0: Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan.
1: I'm Amy Jo Jackson.
0: And welcome and bienvenue. Welcome. We're looking at Cabaret.
1: For better or for worse, out there is a you.
0: Amy, Joe, how are you doing today?
1: I'm A OK. We're talking about a musical. A OK at the cabaret. A OK. AJJ is A OK at
0: the because cabaret. Because they're talking about cabaret. What do you say? Uh, <laughs> love it. Uh, and we are recording this before the Oscars, but the Oscars will have already happen. This is, of course, our last episode of Oscars month, where each episode features at least one Oscar winning performance. And today we saved the best for last. So we got a twofer. Two a great Academy Award winning performances. And if you haven't listened to our other episodes, we've got my cousin Vinny, The Godfather, and Training Day. We tried to keep it eclectic for you, comma the listener. We always do, and uh, and if you and for our episodes coming up, if you're enjoying the show, please, listener, consider subscribing to the podcast so you'll get all our episodes as soon as they drop. Convenient for you, convenient for us. <laughs> Cabaret is a musical drama that came out on February 13th, Valentine's Day, 1972, and was directed by Bob fossey and written by Jay Preston Allen. Amy Cho, what is your experience with cabaret, the movie, and as a show? Well, uh lots. Yes, uh, I'd imagine so. So
1: I I would say the movie is one of the versions I am l I I saying less, less familiar, familiar with, with is, is the most accurate I can put it. Because obviously yeah, I've seen course. this movie many times, but I am more familiar with the stage show particularly the one that gets licensed now mm. i have dialect coached three different productions i was for Alan schneider in college which of course is barely a character in the film i um man when i went to berlin i definitely went to the Nollendorfplatz and found the house that isherwood stayed in Whoa. when he wrote you know what he based yeah. berlin stories on like it's just me By myself. Which, of course, then
0: was adapted. So it was Berlin
1: Stories, which I've also read excellent. I went on a real Isherwood kick there for a while. Um, So Berlin Stories was then adapted into a play called I Am a Camera by John Van Dryden, which then that became the source material for Cabaret. Because Sally Bowles is like features in a couple of the stories in Berlin Stories, but there's like one story about Mm. her. But then that was like taken and made into in this glorious game of telephone, rather like we see in the movie. (sighs) Uh, it just become, it became this, you know, this character based on a, uh, you know, a real person. Um, so yeah, I'm very, very, very familiar with the stage version. Um, I have read the original Broadway version, which is very different. There's a lot of songs that were cut. Obviously maybe right. this time was added later, you know, for the, for movie. Yeah. And then
0: they, and now they, now it's yes, a a lot, a lot of the songs they wrote that for the movie, uh, mine hair for the movie, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, mine uh, hair replaced. Don't tell added, mama. Right, and well, now in the music, in the stage musical, now they just do both. She'll, she'll oh, yeah. do Don't tell mom. We'll have a little brief takie talkie and it's like, okay, well, now we got to do mine hair. Yeah. rank. we definitely. We're not gonna. Can't not do mine hair.
1: Like cut off my nose to spite my face. We gotta, we gotta have it all. Um, and then yeah, I've seen it a number of times as well in productions I've not been involved in. Most recently, like uh, late 2019. So which. Doesn't seem like that long ago, but of course now I mean, well, it seems like a long time ago in normal yeah. times. I like would have seen like a million shows between now and then, but because it's been a year that everything's been shut down, that was one of the l- later things I saw.
0: <laughs> Did you see it on Broadway? In
1: yes, I saw. Yes, the, I saw well, just the for those, yes,
0: the, the big revival in like the '90s that yes. Sam Mendes directed with Alan Cumming and Natasha Richardson, and then so many people. Yes, went so I saw it,
1: it with. Um, oh gosh, why well, don't was Gina Gershon? Oh, and I, I yes. I want to say it was Raul Esparza. I wanna oh, say uh, I saw yeah. Raul Esparza as oh, the he MC. Cer- he certainly played it. I know I saw him as Che when Evita toured through Dallas. So oh, I wild. I'm not sure if I'm also like conflating that yeah. in my like I was in college when I saw it. So but I mean at that point it would make sense for him to be playing that that role. So oh, absolutely. I think I saw Raul Esparza oh, and cool. Gina Rashon and then um I'm I think I think. Um, oh my goodness, what's her name? Oh, she won a Tony for Grey Gardens, and she played oh, Schneider, Mary Louise Wilson. Thank you. Who I
0: believe originated yes. it for that revival.
1: Yes, I I can't or remember if she was still Ron in Riffin. it by that point or not. You know, yeah. but um, cool,
0: very cool. But yes, yeah, so yeah, I, I did not I, see
1: this most recent revival. Nor
0: did I. I I've never the only I've only seen it once. I saw a production in London, which I've always meant to go look up to see how it was received. Mm critically um because i've i love the movie i've seen the movie i feel like i was very young i feel like i might might have been like eighth grade when i saw the movie which is i mean it's a movie that apparently was they tried to rate it x when it first came out yeah well in in 1972 it was a scandalous film you don't even see them no but you know there's implications of homosexuality i get it jeff (laughs) the children (laughs) (laughs) children. won't someone think of the? children but so this production and i'll preface it by saying that i enjoyed the second act immensely so i'm very glad i was with my father we had gone to london when i was in college i'd never been and we went and a big part of the trip was to see a lot of theater we saw jonathan price and glengarry glenn ross we saw henry v at the globe which was incredible uh we saw something my dad it was a kind of a mix of like my dad wanted to see mary poppins and uh blood brothers because it was the longest running show in london so he's like it's got to be good Is, otherwise why would they run it forever
1: logic that people who don't know about the inner workings he, of commercial theater he, he, uh, he did, fall he, for. he
0: did he did once ask if a perfect crime off broadway was a thing that oh, <laughs> one no. should see. you know
1: it's going to be the first thing opening back up yeah
0: if you listen if you're not familiar a perfect crime is a is an off-broadway murder mystery that is like run for decades and decades I think and
1: 34 years and they have
0: an insert in the program to explain the plot because it doesn't the, the play doesn't make sense and the same woman it's a fascinating if you, if you look into it it's a fascinating like onion there are, of layers
1: i believe there is an episode of reply all not to shout out reply all in this moment but there is a really fascinating episode of reply all where they kind of go into like the the weirdness of like how has this stayed running this long but it's partially this woman Catherine russell who is like this
0: is her passion i will this is not her life.
1: miss a performance
0: yeah. yeah this also famously which is the only time that i've ever seen this show <laughs> have be like let's have stunt casting had gary busey pop in for i believe two weeks
1: into a perfect crime yes oh wow <laughs>
0: <laughs> um but so this production of cabaret in london uh really really great second act but this first act we just weren't feeling it. We weren't feeling it. We're like, this is fine. This isn't great. We're not loving this, but they ended act one. So in the stage show, act one ends with tomorrow belongs to me. It's this, which is this very like Nazi-ish anthem. And in the show, you're like, Oh God, Oh no, this is like, these Nazis really are starting to rise. Fascism seems to be on on the rise. Um, and so the way that they staged it was the curtain was closed and there was one guy in front in the old Nazi wear that starts the song. And you're like, Okay and then the curtain opens and the entire ensemble is standing there completely nude all the women all the men <laughs> with your dad and i'm like okay sure they start singing I'm like interesting interesting imagery still down so far but then they start to dance and the dancing is uh uh the like a chasse to the side to each it's like over to the right and over oh, to the left no. so all the men's Bits and
1: bobs. (laughs) Their
0: their bits and bobs are windmilling about- Oh, no. In a way that is like, this is just comical. Like, people were laughing, and like, I was laughing, because it is like- How could that not be funny? And I've got nothing against- I think there should be more male nudity in general, to counterbalance how much female nudity there is. I've shown my- It's just a body. I've shown my penis on the stage, and I'll show it again if anyone will let me. (laughs) Once the stage comes back, I cannot wait to show my penis on the stage. (laughs) 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 <laughs> we'll go back to Million Dollar Quartet and show them what's what. Yes. That's a, the, the cut scene of Million Dollar Quartet where <laughs> Sam, Phillips, in the Sam booth. Phillips just like whips out his wiener and slaps it down on top of the Johnny Cash contract. And he's like, that's, and takes a whiz oh, on no, it. He's like, that's what oh, I think of no. your contract, Johnny Cash. He's
1: got very uh, <laughs> downtown very quickly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would love a random (laughs) downtown gritty production of Million Dollar Quartet, quartet, which I performed on a cruise ship, ladies and gentlemen, uh, listeners at home. Um, But yeah, so uh, the the intermission started and my dad was like, do you want to leave? And I was like, well, let's, you know, and thankfully Act Two was great. And Act Two had a moment, which I'm guessing is also, like, of how you uh, mirror that, is at the very end of the show, the MC had, like, his robe. And it was, like, very just, like, oh, am I going to do, like, a little burlesque? And he turns around and drops it, and he's fully nude, as all the ensemble are fully nude. And they all start to walk upstage uh, as smoke starts to rise. And you're like, oh, shit, yeah, they're going towards the gas chamber.
1: That's a beautiful It was beautiful.
0: Of- it was tears to the eyes. Like, an amazing, amazing, like, the power of stage. Yeah, to do something like that also you have all of these
1: characters (laughs) that helped
0: wipe out the wash out some of the taste of these windmilling wieners also
1: like when you have all of these characters that have been on stage very scantily clad the whole show to then use nudity in a way that subverts what you've been seeing the whole show yeah is great But why did they need to be singing the Nazi anthem, which takes place in the context of the show at an engagement party?
0: I'm sure you could argue some way where it's like, uh, Jeff, obviously it made sense because of X, Y, Z. But in the moment, in the moment, it did not. And like I've also watched on at least it was on YouTube. I don't know if it still is, but that Sam Mendes production in London. So it's still Alan Cumming. And I think it's Jane Jane Horace Krakowski Jane Krakowski Jane Curtin actually <laughs> um, uh, now I'd be
1: interested in, in Jane Curtin Schneider Schneider's oh, a very funny role
0: yes absolutely definitely oh that'd be great that's great casting. absolutely
1: nothing we're supposed to be casting today no but, you
0: know. <laughs> no um but the their act one because I watched it all on, online uh does end with Alan Cumming shown a bit of a little he just like whips he's got his like bears his ass and he's got like the Nazi Br- the swastika the swastika On one ass cheek. Okay, so that's a classy way of having ending your first act of nudity, opposed to about a dozen swing and wieners. No, Uh,
1: I was just watching because I was looking for a clip of Alan Cumming doing something before we were recording, and I found this like he was chatting with Seth Rudetsky about like a mishap that had happened during (gasps) cabaret. So he's like doing he something happened and he was a little late, like with a costume change. So he was a little late getting to his place for this next thing. It's about halfway through the first act, and he because he's a little late, he bangs his head on a light Oh. and he gets a concussion but he's like doesn't have time to like go deal with that he's got to finish the man's first a professional ad. yeah the uh, the like he was like i couldn't focus i could barely see anything because it's just you know it was i was in so much pain he's like but you just have to kind of get through it mm-hmm. and he <laughs> he was saying he's like the lights come down at the end of the first second he's like crawling off stage you know and then he he gets into his dressing room, he's lying down. People are like, don't fall asleep, Alan, don't fall asleep, you know. And then the stage manager's like, Alan, do you think you'll be able to do the second act? He's like, I think I need to go to the hospital. So, like, he only did half that performance. Right. But they're, like, changing him, like, trying to get him into his regular clothes to be able to go to the hospital. And he's, like, taking these wet wipes and scrubbing his bum. Yeah. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I don't want to have a swastika on my <laughs> ass. What if the doctor's <laughs> Jewish? He's going to uh... misinterpret it. And this <laughs> is like, that's so great that he's like concussed and is like no i have to get this swastika off of me it's like you you
0: do you do That just makes me think of all the times there's like any injury on a film set and like if you i can't think of offhand of what they're when what they're from but of like people that have like it's action films they've got like like fake gunshot wounds and like like oh no like i've broken my ankle going to the right. hospital and they're like oh my god you are her you have three gunshot wounds into your chest and to like, your face no, those
1: are prosthetics right man. and they're like okay you
0: can wait <laughs> um but let's get should into we talk about the movies? film shall we so spoilers ahead if you have not seen cabaret or haven't seen it in a while here's a brief ish synopsis In 1931 Berlin, Sally Bowles, an American singer and dancer, works at the seedy Kit-Kat Cabaret, presided over by the master of ceremonies and dreams of one day becoming a rich and famous actress. Also, we did, Amy Jo and I did accidentally start this film, or I started this film, I should say, uh, on point. One and a half speed. Oh my gosh. So which I, you didn't know I didn't notice until Joel Gray started singing. Well, I noticed it
1: when the when the bum 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 it was a real getting into it. It's like the opening to to mine hair. I was like, what are we doing here? And then he started singing.
0: I know I know he does a bit of that little vibrato at some points, but I feel like it's a he doesn't do the vibrato in every single I was like, Jeff, fix it. Fix it immediately. (laughs) Uh, Sally meets Brian, a young writer from England, who takes a room at her boarding house. And Sally discovers that Brian has been unsuccessful with women. And so the two become friends. When Sally's father, a diplomat, stands her up, Brian consoles her and the two end up sleeping together. And we get this montage of them becoming lovers, including which this exchange just made me laugh of him just flexing, going, doesn't my body drive you wild with desire? And Liza just goes, "Mm mmm. Well, I mean,
1: obviously, he's saying that to echo her being like, "Does my body drive you wild with desire?"
0: Fabulous stuff. Yeah, and so then he's doing that. But yes, it was her line reading of. "Mm." She's like a cartoon wolf. (laughs) To make money, Brian gives English lessons, and with Sally's help, winds up helping to set up two of his students: the wannabe gigolo Fritz and Jewish heiress Natalia. And throughout all this, you're getting the growing influence of Nazism foreshadowed in all these scenes. There's like a guy, this Nazi trying to like collect money in the club and gets kicked out by the manager. And then you see the manager getting beaten up in the streets.
1: Yeah. During a number in the, in the club. Yeah.
0: It's Joel Gray's doing, it's not even a song. It's just him doing like a little oom pa like where they're all pretend to slap each other right. as he's getting like decked. Uh, Sally meets the wealthy Maximilian who begins treating both Sally and Brian to gifts and a weekend at his castle. Great location scouting on this mammoth castle. Also
1: great mustache scouting. This guy has the blondest. And because
0: Fritz has a mustache as well. So, but you see, but Fritz is a ginger. Yes.
1: And then Max is like, I am the most beautiful, stereotypically German, like, man about town. He does town. look like he
0: should burst out into springtime for Hitler. Yes. Like, he's perfect casting for the Nazi vocalist and the producers. Yes, yes. Uh, I also love, because Brian is just so grumpy through all of this. I, I so relate to Brian. I so get <laughs> just being dragged along to places you don't want to go, that you're just like, well, I don't like any of this. I'm very resistant to all this happening, but I don't want to, I'm too polite to make a fuss. So instead, he's just grumpy. Sorry I'm like, about our social that's life that's me <laughs> <laughs> but max is just like he's like change out of your clothes and like here here's all these here throw on these clothes but this tuxedo that he's wearing looks so big on him he just looks like such a little boy they're like he's max's max michael, michael york yes as brian oh, your, yeah. as Max max yeah. hosting this dinner and like liza's just talking it up and brian is just sitting there in this tuxedo where he's so also he just the way that he looks he just looks he reads so young because yeah. he's like little clean shaven and the way they, they styled his mm-hmm. hair but in a tuxedo he just looks like a little boy playing dress up and it made me laugh so much because it does look like max is like i'm so sorry chaps the only the only tux we have left was from when andre's a giant was visiting i'm so sorry but
1: you will look wonderful in this
0: anyway <laughs> uh so max ends up leaving them both with little warning and sally and brian get into a fight where she confesses that she slept with max and brian confesses that so is he uh meanwhile natalia rejects fritz when he finally proposes because he's not jewish and he confesses that he actually is jewish but has been hiding it because of the growing nazi movement they immediately get married and then they're out of the movie so I hope things. I hope they got out of Germany while the getting was good, because we know. never see them.
1: Especially like some. of, Yeah. Well, we all know it wasn't great. We
0: so, we sure do. It, but know, I'm, cl- I'm cl- a glad, lot of people. I'm glad that it's up in up in the air. No, it's kinda, true. If you're if you've got you know the glass half full, you can assume they made it out. We don't have to see them like. True. Brian's on the train and looks out, and you're like, "Oh, there are my friends getting carted away." Great. It's,
1: uh, yeah, a lot of people who like had a lot of money and posi- wealth, like a position yeah. of power, thought that that was going to be a protection to them and so a lot of them did not flee uh which of course
0: you know so i don't know but it is
1: you know it's possible those two kids got out of there
0: we'll find out one day in cabaret (laughs) two electric boogaloo (laughs) Uh Sally finds out she's pregnant. Such a just a long this long like shot in this library. It was, it's all quiet. I'm like, why are we holding in this library until she's like, well, god damn it, Brian, I'm pregnant. No, I'm gonna have a baby. Oh, that's right. But it is, I think it is like, I'm gonna have a goddamn baby. Yeah. It is also swearing, so everyone's the library is like bah, bah, bah. loud American. It's like, let's get the comedy where we can in this mm-hmm. film. Uh, but she she's pregnant, mm-hmm. uh, and un- she's unsure if the baby is Brian's or Max's, but Brian asks her to marry him and move them back to England, which initially she agrees, and then she gets an abortion, and as she cannot give up her dream of stardom, and realizing the relationship is over, and seeing because he's got eyes in his head, seeing the rise of Nazism, (laughs) Brian (laughs) returns home, and Sally stays behind to keep up her performances at the club, sings her final ode to fatalism and decadence, Cabaret, and the MC closes the show, as Nazis are now seen among the patrons of the club, which is such a great final shot. And I guess I also, so I've not, I've not been in a production of Cabaret, but I did do a production of this very silly show, The Musical of Musicals, The Musical, which is, like five mini one acts where each one is the exact same plot of uh you know i I can't pay the rent you must pay the rent i can't pay the rent you must pay the rent and then in comes the hero i'll pay the rent each one from in like the style of rogers and hammerstein sondheim and the (laughs) final one candor and ebb so it's a mashup of cabaret chicago and then a little bit of kiss the spider woman uh and so i was the villain in all of these so i was the mc so i got to do just studying like Made pretty much a mashup of Joel Grey and Alan Cumming of like adding all their choreography and little bits. And so I did like the ending of the way he does with that like little last like. Sing. All the little goodbyes and finally like bye bye and just like bow and then he's out of there. It looks like MC is like I'm no dummy. I've got a car to the airport. I've got to bye. get out of here.
1: I liked too having like gone back and looked at like production stills from the original. It's like, oh right, how Prince's original staging had a big mirror that would like show the mm. audience themselves at the end. So the way that they like really opened it up to make it really a film that is its own has its own identity, but then was like, what really worked in the stage production? How can we use that? So it's like Using the mirror there at the end to not necessarily, although it may be the reflection of an instrument, I'm not sure, but it's like not necessarily like we're.
0: I think I think on Wikipedia it said that it was in the reflection of a sax of a saxophone.
1: Right. Yes, because that's what he—that's how he yeah. like appears initially. But regardless, of that it's like it's a mirror of like what mm. society is looking like at this particular time. That they still were like, how do we take that? that image, that metaphor that worked really well and translate that to film and yeah. storytell further. And it's like, Oh yeah, look now, like half the audience and all the people sitting up close, which means all the people who have like the power to be sitting close to those are all, they've all got the swastikas on their armbands.
0: Yeah. Oh, also speaking of that original production, there was some, I think it was recent. I just saw someone post online. So it might've been from some time ago, but I think it was recent that of that original production that they had found like all of the photos that were taken uh to like piece like them together so to like kind of make a gif or gif or whatever of of, of the moments so it's kind of like bringing it into live action because there's not really
1: yeah it's really many cool. if
0: any video clips then uh so really i definitely recommend looking up if you're a fan of cabaret i think it was
1: through the times
0: yes through the times yeah, yeah. um but look up through them the really really cool just showing like these little brief clips of the original production like kind of bringing them to life in a way
1: they also said a, a thing that i thought was really interesting which is just like a single photograph can't possibly capture like what is really like you can you can capture like an image but it's not the same thing as like seeing three images in quick succession tells you more about like the mood and and what the actor's doing and like a video reads a bit flat because it's closer to what we're used to but there's something like a little um mm, what's the word i'm looking for just like more particular about photos and that Having like three or four of them in quick succession, doing like this crudely animated kind of give, like actually gives us more of a feel of like what it might have been like to be in the theater. I thought it was really cool.
0: Yeah, definitely recommend checking that out. Uh, The casting director of Cabaret was Renate Nuch, who also cast The Odessa File. Those are the only two credits as a casting director but they were also unit manager of Willy wonka and the chocolate factory
1: another classic
0: yes and so uh i what i from what i've found from my research Cy fewer who produced the film is the one who reportedly cast liza minnelli and joel gray and joel gray of course played it in the original broadway production reprising his role and from what i saw bob fossey is the one who cast michael york as brian so i don't know of how much was already set in place of the right. why you have well, s- your s- casting director is like some not- of that.
1: Like if your producer is the one who is like, I want to make this film with Liza Minnelli, then oh that's-
0: absolutely. But my point being that I believe Renate might've been mainly in charge of the casting in Germany. Yes. So all of it poss- possibly for your Maximilian and your right. Fritz and for they're, they're all German. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: that I looked up the guy playing Max and he's like a tremendously prolific theater actor in, in Germany Well, not anymore. He died in like Oh four. I want to say, but like, yeah, like was did all these major roles and and i was like i that would be great i want to see is richard the second that'd be yeah. great
0: yeah he's great as max uh also uh before bob fossey gene kelly billy wilder and joseph l Mankiewicz were all considered to direct and either past or were just then
1: Fossey was Not a great choice great for choice. many reasons. All, yeah,
0: although, you know, he was coming off of Sweet Charity, which was his first his directorial debut mm-hmm. and was a huge bomb. So it was very risky to have him Sweet direct. Sweet Charity's
1: also just like it's so theatrical in the book and everything. It's it's so much more satirical than Cabaret, which is, you know, it, it's, it's very
0: true. But still, a, you know, when you're only as good as your last hit, as they say, that was very true. or as good as your last picture or whatever, it's, you know, it very it's still a gamble. To be like, okay, Bob Fosse, then your first movie didn't work. Can you make a second? And he sure did. And (laughs) to great effect. So let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all a little subjective. And as always, I have looked up all the actors in advance. And Amy Jo is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. So let's kick it off with the MC, Amy Joe, your thoughts on Joel Gray and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else?
1: He's really great in this. I mean, duh, you know. Um, it's so funny because I was, I, oh gosh, I think it was like in middle school or high school when that, it was 98. So I would, yeah, I would have been in like eighth grade or something when that, or no, I would have been in 10th grade. I would have been in high school sometime when that came out. So I was really, weaned on that cast recording mm. like on on the revival cast recording of, of alan Cumming and everything more right. so than i did not own yeah. a cd of the OPC, original yeah. you know um so it's so different you know like that, the alan Cumming production was so shocking when it when it came partially because like we're used to seeing like they uh, pr- prior to that everyone was used to seeing joel gray in this tux and all buttoned up and very like impish in a very different way you know um, but y- and Alan now- Cummins
0: is coming in with his like no sh- with shirtless with his little suspenders
1: heroin chic. It Heroine was the nineties, you know. It truly was. But um, I think he's he's wonderful, and he's just like he's got this like impish menace that works really well for yeah. this, you know? And I've definitely obviously seen it a few times now in various incarnations. And what you choose to do with the Kit Kat Club and the MC obviously like is, is a lot of what you can, it's your framing device, right? That you can also like be like, what do we want to tell about the world and about the world that we're currently in now through the ensemble and the MC? So often you'll see the MC, yeah, being sent off to the camps or something like that at the end. And this was a character that I was like, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't. I, he's such an enigma, Joel. Like Grace, he's playing MC. him like
0: he's the devil himself. Yeah. Like his some the looks he'll do to camera the few yeah. times and they'll cut to him and like the little bit. I mean that I've always I've never forgotten. It's really emblazoned in my mind. One of the things that I always think when I think of this film is that like just terrifying shot when Liza is like considering and then getting the abortion and it's just Joel great just a, like appearing behind her, reaching around yes. and like to feel her breasts at before he like moves moves around her and then goes on stage and it's like a you're like oh this is just also a moment of like yeah that that's how it is here at the kit kat club is like you Mm -hmm. the guy that's the mc is gonna be just feeling up the women and it's like if you got a problem with that you're gonna probably get fired but also is just like it just like so creeps me out on so many levels and it's shot in like it's they're like bathed in red which is also why i just think like the devil himself Mm -hmm. uh but yeah he does he does look like he's the one that's like Oh no, I know what's up. I'm gonna get in my car. I've profited off this. Yes. And I'm not warning anyone. I'm I'm someone that's like I'm not completely unaware like the characters like Liza. And but I'm, I'm not just the guy out like, for number one. He's out for number one. Yeah.
1: I had some thoughts. On this list is someone named Alan Kuma. Alan Cumming. I Alan. Think I come on. Alan Cumming.
0: Alan <laughs> Cumming.
1: Oh, Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming. I think if we'd done a version of the film <laughs> there in the early 2000s I mean, he just revived it in like what
0: 2014,
1: 2015? Yeah. You know. Um,
0: even re- more recent. I, thought. I thought it was more, yeah, that sounds yeah. more right. I didn't, I didn't see it.
1: I meant to, cause I love that Danny Burstein and yes, I know it's Michelle Williams.
0: Those. So I would have liked to have seen it's Michelle Williams. And um, then Emma Stone. We'll see Sienna Miller, I believe. Oh, and then, and probably. then Emma Stone. Yeah. yeah. Um, and her audition for La La Land. <laughs> Trouche,
1: Trouche. Um, so I meant to go and I did not, but, um, yeah, I mean, he'd be great. He'd be a logical of choice course. if we were doing it around that time. Of course, Duh, you just of course, do the same thing you did with Joel Grey. Um, this would obviously be more like late 70s, early 80s, but Tim Curry.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: I would have yep. loved to have seen Tim Curry's MC. Love that. Like, let's just talk about someone who's got impish menace. Uh, that would still feel yeah. very different than Joel Gray's. Yeah. You know, this would also have been like more 90s, early 2000s, but John Cameron Mitchell. Oh. Although I would still go see his MC. himself. Yes. Oh, of course.
0: He'd be great casting. Just that. like, that's what great.
1: a tremendous actor. Because he's actually
0: German, right? Oh, or Austrian?
1: I don't know. John Cameron Mitchell? Yeah. I've only heard him speak in an American accent, but I've not heard him speak. Oh, that I, much. Could,
0: I could be mistaken. I thought that he was actually Austrian or, or German. I'm
1: telling you what, I don't know. When then I've heard him speak, it's yet been yet with an American aspect. accent. Oh, but I also mistake. like
0: have had very.
1: I've had one interaction with the man that I'll cherish my whole yeah. life <laughs> long. But I don't know much more than that. Um, uh, this is so different. This is this is very 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 different. Christopher like, Palmer <laughs> Okay Okay Now I feel silly um, But Tom Waits Would Ooh, be like a very different But sure also like would. I love it though Delicious oh, and bananas. upsetting.
0: Oh I love it I'd be into it To <laughs> <laughs> a lady And I'm the only man Yeah uh, I, yeah I'd want him thinking of his performance as Renfield in the uh, Francis Ford <laughs> Dracula I'm like yeah just he'd be like a real he'd be in a straitjacket the whole the whole, the whole whole show as, as the whole movie as well mm-hmm. uh, that's great that's bananas to me and I love it Tom yeah. Waits is the MC fantastic
1: yeah I thought so and then this is welcome very- men
0: Bienvenue. Bienvenue. welcome welcome
1: Fremda. Um. Anyway, um. My Tom Waits impression is just shouting on vocal fry. Um. Then this would be I don't know anytime in the nine uh, in the eighties really, but I I think I've just realized a number of times I've recommended him on the spot. I'm like, is this my favorite actor of all time? <laughs> That's Raul Julia.
0: Oh, what that would be
1: great. He'd be fantastic. Yeah, because he's great. Yeah. Um, and can sing, and you know, as it's not a role that like the vocal i mean it's a little more important on stage because there's a couple more songs song, like i don't care much is in the in the show like yeah. which is a bit even so the mc doesn't need to be able to like sang right. often it is cast with someone who can and therefore they will do that but it's also like you just need someone who can like carry a tune enough to be believable totally in this situation you more need someone who's charismatic and you believe can hold this audience yeah. and play with them and that's That's my guy, a Raul Julia.
0: (laughs) It sure is. It sure is. Uh, I had a few people over the over various different times including the future so in terms of of the time you're, you're like ian armitage
1: uh one day in the
0: future <laughs> young that young sheldon there's something in the eyes there's a malicious glint in the eyes from that young sheldon from that I don't, I, adolescent listener i don't think he's gonna grow up to be sheldon i think he's gonna grow up to be satan himself <laughs> No, uh considering that he was also working with Fosse and Pippin, I would love a Ben Vereen. Oh MC. yeah! Oh come on! Would be amazing. I got to see Ben Vereen as the Wizard in Wicked, and I'll tell you that what getting to see him dance dancing around and singing uh is a memory that I will cherish forever. Didn't
1: Joel Grey originate that? He sure did, but I, did I not saw see George. Joel Grey. That's who I. I was like, who did? Oh no, maybe I saw Joel Grey. Oh gosh, I don't remember. Who
0: cares? Um, but yeah, Ben Vereen. I would have been fascinated in a David Bowie MC. I
1: thought of David Bowie too. A
0: little young and for 1972, yes. but like made later. Similar, made okay, a little bananas, but I also So imagine I imagine this with Christoph Waltz. Because I was also just thinking I of like an actual of German. German as well. And kind of terrifying but if you look up there is a clip of him singing it's like one of the (gasps) first things I think it's like his first on screen thing and it looks to be some German children's show he is wearing an outfit I I am not sure how to describe of this like onesie like multicolored onesie thing over like a leotard Uh, it's kind of bananas, but I'm like, okay, the guy can hold a tune. Uh, That's all we require. Right. He's not German, but also I would kind of love to see Mads Mikkelsen as the MC because he's also an incredible dancer. And I'm like, okay, let him be like a fine singer. Maybe he can sing as well. I don't know. But to have someone who is like a classically trained dancer, but also looks like terrifying the picture of Hannibal Mads Mikkelsen, (laughs) uh, I think would be great. Or uh, because we just rewatched, Book Smart last night. Listener, a film that Amy Joe and I have watched so many times. I
1: love it so it's hard. It's so good.
0: It really is such a like a it really just fills my heart every time I'm watching it. I think Same. it's so perfectly made and perfectly cast. It's like a warm hug of a film. Uh but oh my gosh, Noah speaking- Galvin.
1: Well, okay, did I tell you this though? One of the productions that I dialect coached was at PPAS in New York, which is professional performing arts school. It's a high school. And I had known Noah through a a theater I'd worked for already, and he was the MC. Oh so but he ended up having this this was Gosh, I don't know. Those kids have now now graduated Oh, okay. This college. was just
0: before he kind of became
1: very shortly before he got. He, that he was TV also show. he was the lead
0: of that that sh- somewhat short-lived show, The Real O'Neals. For those who don't That's know him, was, and he's in Booksmart, and he's a big Broadway guy. He one of, one of the replacements for, for uh, Dear, Dear Evan, Evan Hansen. Hansen.
1: So he, yes, Noah was the kid can
0: sing. Yeah, the kid's well, yeah, got the talent. He's, great. he's got the stuff.
1: Noah, I've known since he was like fourteen or something like that. Um, but yes, he. It was shortly before Real O'Neills. He had to drop out because of I forget what exactly. So then when I came came in to coach the tech rehearsals I was like this isn't Noah who, is this guy? <laughs> who was great the kid who played the MC eventually I was like you're phenomenal but it was just very funny to
0: be like that's oh it's my friend so Noah funny yeah
1: so I worked, with,
0: but, <laughs> I, oh, that's I worked amazing. with he
1: almost played it in high school
0: amazing because yeah watching Booksmart I, he popped in my mind I was like oh he'll be a great MC someday I mean he's so young it's like also it's like who cares but he's also so he just is so young for it and looks young for it because i assume he's what in like his mid-20s now probably like 25 or something now but he also he has
1: a young face and his sister is also they're they're also both kind of shorter people so that which i mean as is joel gray but that with like a kind of like a very youthful more of a you know you you paint
0: the face up like they do with joel gray and it's like you know and and especially if you the way they do joel gray where his hair is a bit longer and they slick it back so it's it helps age up. Yeah. Um, but I was curious. I was like, well, maybe because I mean, he does is a big theater guy as well. I wouldn't be surprised if he had done like some regional production as the MC, like wherever. Uh, and as far as I can tell, he hasn't, but, he said that it's his dream role. He said in an interview that he's him, Beanie Feldstein, and Molly Gordon were all being interviewed because they're also best friends in real life, yeah. and they're all in Booksmart. Uh, and they asked them like, "What's your dream role?" And he said the MC. And they were both like, "Oh, you'd be amazing!" as that? And I, so that's how he funny. He almost played that he it. He almost played he it was with you it. dialect coaching. Yes, it. That's, that's so funny. Incredible. Those
1: kids were phenomenal. I mean, like, you know, you do. I go in and I do a fair amount of dialect coaching with with people, and then you like give them notes and you come back and it's a little bit better, but I gave them all a ton of notes over tech. Like I gave them like kind of like a real, not stern talking to you, but like, look, this is what we're trying to achieve with this. And this is how you do it. And it was a lot of like vocal coach notes more than mm. anything else. I came back and saw the show. I was like, they took every single note and those were really technical notes. I was like, Broadway actors don't take that kind of note yeah. from me. <laughs> These kids really want it. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Joel gray, one, the oscar and the tony for the same performance which i th- feel like is a pretty small list maybe larger than i think offhand i'm thinking like yul brenner and the king and i and, and um in terms of stage plays viola davis for fences i know there are other performers of course uh but it feels like, yeah, like the what for ones who have that won the tony and the oscar for the same role right like uh, um oh i am blanking judy holiday did she play it on stage
1: born yesterday
0: I don't know if she played it on stage. Uh,
1: yeah, she did. I'm just like, is and that her name? Tony. I'm losing Judy My Holiday, mind. I believe that is her I name. I believe she yeah. won the Tony and then the Oscar oh. for it.
0: Well, there you go. So uh, it's good company is all I'm saying. Uh, and he won. I mean, he beat Robert Duvall, Al Pacino, and James Caan, all for The Godfather, of course, our previous episode, uh-huh. uh, and Eddie Albert for The Heartbreak Kid, which feels like... I wonder if because Pacino was also like boycotting the Oscars, but that also, I don't know. That's Or, or they just canceled themselves out by having three actors all up for the same lot. film. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Uh, I just think it's a bit, to me, that feels like a bit of an upset for a role that he's so good in, Joel Grey and Cabaret. But when it but is like no dialogue, no Godfather, real like, yeah. there's no real scenes. It's all him as a this performative Nature to the audience and these songs. He's so good in it, but I, I, it's, I understand it more on stage when the audience is us than on film. I'm glad that he won because I think it's a, a, such an, uh, uh, iconic. a iconic, iconic, like indelible performance. But I am a little. It's just surprising when it was like, oh, he was up against. It wasn't like up against the, like what are these movies? Who are these actors? Or even
1: if it was like just Robert Duvall, you're like, yeah, oh, I get that. Oh, I get. That. He should yeah. win yeah. over Robert Duvall yeah. for sure. You know, but you look at like. What Al Pacino was required to do in The Godfather, and it's like, and the arc, you know,
0: the yeah. arc, the arc. Pacino was fine. Oh, he's
1: fine. Give Joel Gray that Oscar. Give Joel Gray that Oscar,
0: and they did. Uh, so Joel Gray stated in interviews that Anthony Newly was almost cast oh. for the mc role who newly is a singer actor and That's songwriter who co-wrote the lyrics and music for willy wonka and the chocolate yes, factory leslie
1: Recuse. He. he's he's in a uh, uh dr Doolittle as like the um the kind of like assistant mm, guy he's in the al- 60s musical yes version, or he is also version. quite famously the actor who sings Candyman in Willy Wonka.
0: Oh, 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 oh. I yeah, can't see that he was actually in Willy Wonka. I just yeah, knew yeah. That he did the music. No, oh, he's oh, okay. he's
1: I mean he's great. He's he he's wrote Stop <laughs> the World I Wanna Get Off for him to do. Mm. So what kind of fool am I? Was like right, written for himself, right. you know. But
0: he's the one in Willy Wonka who whacks that kid in the head.
1: There's a lot going on in Willy Wonka that you're like, why does that you, need to if be? You,
0: if you look at Candyman, <laughs> he like opens like some some part of the uh like the counter that like opens up and he opens it up and clocks this kid in the face who then goes off camera and you're like oh god oh god I hope that child is okay
1: hope that child's okay why why does poor little Charlie have (laughs) to stand outside while everyone else gets free candy he's too poor for free candy he's too
0: poor for free candy oh Uh, and Joel Grey also stated in interviews that he believed that Bob Fosse wanted to play the MC himself, himself and so Bob Fosse they had to do like Still hold like auditions and like search for the MC, and that Bob was trying to make that an unsuccessful search. So that they'd be like, well, we couldn't find anyone. I guess I'll do it myself.
1: You know, Twist I mean, my arm. I, definitely a genius, but also the ego on that
0: the guy. The ego. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, watch all that jazz. <laughs> um, but so according to this is apocryphal this is this from Joel Gray, but he said that Fossey was displeased when told by the film's producers that he had two options. He could use Joel Gray as the master of ceremonies. Or he could walk away from the production and that that complicated Joel Gray and Bob Fosse's relations while filming, Uh-oh. which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But that pair, that was it. There's it was just those two. Because, I mean, you know, he's the guy. He originated the role on stage. He won the Tony. And that doesn't always happen. Very often doesn't. I mean, you know, no one else got brought over from the show into the film. Um, so And it's I'm, a tricky role too. Yeah. It's
1: not just like, ooh, we can shape it to you. It's like the role kind of has to do very particular things and live only in this pocket. And we need someone who can achieve that.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I'm still glad they got, went with Joel Gray and I'm glad that he won that Oscar. Um, so let's move on to Brian, Amy Joe. your thoughts on Michael York and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Big Michael York fan since my
1: youth, because he is Tybalt in the Zeffirelli, uh, R&J. What else did he's, I think he's Lucentio in, um,
0: Shrew. Oh, Shrew. Shrew, Shrew.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, in the Burton um, and Liz Taylor yeah oh. I'm pretty sure I know he's I'm picturing him in the hat Wild. um and then um Logan's
0: Run yes. which and, is and he had a real career resurgence in the 90s as Basil Exposition in those first two Austin Powers
1: movies oh right I completely <laughs> forgot that but I was excited to see him of course you were
0: yeah I, you were in the theater everyone looked over you just heard you going Tybalt no I was
1: Michael York <laughs> Look, even at a young age, I knew the actors I liked, Mm -hmm. but also like my mom was because my mom grew up watching that Zeffirelli. She famously had
0: she tore out the pictures of the Romeo to put in her locker. Heyo, heyo! I believe. Look back on our uh, our R and J episode, the the nineties R and J episode.
1: Um, so so yeah, so she always knew who Michael York was. Mm -hmm. But you know, um, -hmm. I think he's wonderful, Brian Dadding. Um, it's so interesting because obviously in the in Cabaret the musical he is american and it's cliff bradshaw clifford bradshaw my name's cliff cliff and then um I was going to say Liza is English. No, no, no. Sally is English. Um. So it's it's interesting to subvert it, not subvert it, just to swap it, Um. because they were like, we want to go with Liza Minnelli, so let's go with a Brit. And we want to make
0: them, Liza do a British accent. Why would you? You don't need why to. Why would you do that? You don't need to. But it also works really well having this, like the American be the one that like, I'm not paying attention at all to what's going on around totally. me. And like, la-di-da, and I'm going to be a famous movie star. And the Brit is the one that's like, so uh, like, so up, like r- a little more repressed and is like I so a lot more a repressed, lot more repressed. Yeah. uh and which
1: works great yeah it,
0: it works very well in the film
1: yeah <laughs> i thought oh if we're doing this today like we're if, maybe not today but like you know five ten years ago like the first person that came to mind i was like oh yeah like an eddie redmayne i
0: same yeah. i same i mean it is that is the like that's the sweet spot for that yeah. guy,
1: you know. Maybe a Ben Wishaw. Same. Know? I've got
0: both of them. Both of them like the you top need your, of my like, list.
1: Your tender bisexual type. The tender bisexual
0: know? type. It's yeah. just
1: like yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I thought a young Hugh Jackman actually in the film, oh, you know, I'm talking like before young, he's beefed up for Wolverine, right. I'm talking circa Oklahoma times, circa you Oklahoma. know, late, late nineties
0: for back hero. Yeah. 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 Yep, yep.
1: um, would be actually like having rewatched that Oklahoma a couple of years ago. It's just like, Oh yeah. Young Hugh Jackman is so light. Like, I
0: can absolutely see that. different yeah.
1: than clip in the show. I-, I think Brian in the movie is there's yeah. more to do. Cause it's longer. You know, he he doesn't. I mean, Cliff in the show sings maybe two lines of music, unless you include the song that mercifully is usually perfectly
0: cut. Marvelous.
1: He does sing two lines of "Perfectly Marvelous." That's right. I was thinking about the very marvelous. end of the show, um, and then the very end of the show. Yeah, yeah he doesn't sing. He doesn't. It's basically sing "Perfectly stage, Marvelous." Um, in the in the original, there's a song. What was it "Don't Go"? Yeah, is don't that, go or Sally. Why, why don't
0: I? Why can't don't I wake up or something like that? got like a, for some, there's a. couple. They keep trying to find like what's the ballad for Cliff. One day we'll figure it out. And the day never came. You
1: got it. <laughs> um, but that way, the idea then would be like, oh, just get a really fine actor to yeah. play the I am a camera type. You right, know, to right. play like the you know. But usually, you get someone really dull. um Unfortunately, he does kind of
0: get glossed over. It is just like the star of
1: the show is sad and it's like you need someone and, yeah. that your actor can play yeah. off of. You and I know? think he
0: does such a great job. I think in he's this wonderful. Film, um, as the like moral center and like the heart yeah. of, of everything. And he's yeah.
1: he's wonderful and has his eyes are so vivid. You know, he's so good at acting for a camera. My other thought, which is more of a 70s thought, but I think actually it would be more um likely he would be cast in this role in like the early 60s, would be Omar Sharif. Ooh. Who I just
0: You love that Omar love. Sharif love.
1: Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he sings a few lines in Funny Girl. That's all he sure. has to do. The, he, doesn't the movie, a he doesn't sing a lick in, in at the all, movie. Yeah, it's so. all it's all diegetic. Well, because baby. yeah,
0: exactly. It's all the only numbers are what's on the Kit Kat stage, except for Tomorrow Belongs to Me, which is still being a performance. Yeah. It's still not like I would say that moment didn't
1: work so well for me.
0: Tomorrow belongs to yeah, me.
1: Yeah, it. It didn't make as much sense as like it does in the musical where it's like someone gets up and starts singing it at a party and then the other Nazi joins in and then a few other people join in. It's staggered in a way in the musical that like just makes sense. This they let him get through like a good two verses, then come in on like the third verse two other guys do at the same time. And then people start coming. I was like, It just didn't feel organic. It felt very like, what are we? do like the I know what the cumulative effect, more
0: stylized to me I I, I wish get it what had you're been saying. a little more stylized or a little okay.
1: less stylized you mm. know it's basically like what I yeah. like in Casablanca also one of the mm. reasons that really works is because they're singing their actual national anthems so they're singing in French they're singing in German this one of my not problems with Cadbury, but one of the things i always find tricky about the show is you have characters speaking to one another who would clearly be speaking to one another in german and they're speaking in english with heavily accented accents and it. i it, that that kind of logic i'm like i get that that's what we do but especially on film it reads as weird to me when you have the two like german characters or not yeah fritz and natalia or when you have like the people at the boarding house who yeah. are like bickering about you know like right right jews and and bankers and communists and this we and then, don't
0: want people reading subtitles for this movie yeah and it's, it's that,
1: already not the happy musical we wanted exactly i get in the Kit Kat club if it's like we're gonna sing a lot in english that i can make that leap you know you're maybe serving an international clientele but that no. particular scene i was like
0: i yeah. get what you're no, trying I to do you.
1: it just doesn't land for me i hear you
0: uh i could also see uh, not in 1972 but like maybe like mid to late 80s i could see young colin Firth I think oh sure yeah be good in this uh, and because parts of it are very similar to his role in Moulin Rouge I could see a Ewan McGregor oh in, totally. in this at a certain time I couldn't really think of anyone else at the time I think because I have also saw this when I was younger and it really is very it's difficult for me to like pick other people for this film but also this role I, I, is is mainly what I know I've, so I saw the Zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet I so I know Michael York from other things, but this is what I mainly know him from. So to me, this role feels like so that is the perfect Brian for this.
1: Yeah, it's so funny to me. He's like Michael York before he's Mm. anybody else, because I just like I really liked him as Tybalt. But I also like it's unlike I don't even know the name of the actor who played Mercutio because to me he's mercutio in the zeffirelli mm. R- you know like he's mm-hmm. so like identifiable with that mask but michael york i saw in enough things to be like oh here's michael york again
0: yeah well as far as the actors who were actually up for brian right off the bat john McEnery auditioned aka mercutio in the J zeffirelli well now i remember
1: <laughs> the gentleman <laughs> had a name and it was that
0: um <laughs> warren Beatty was considered to star
1: ah ah
0: is right again Uh, i'm
1: sorry but when he acted it fine in bonnie and clyde but when you're bringing in a reputation of being one of hollywood's like most oversexed people and you're like i'm repressed
0: i've had i have trouble with it (laughs) i've only had to try try to have sex with three women and each time it failed and that's it's, it feels like that, that is like the thing is that he also is not impotent necessarily, but that like,
1: so I'm, I sleep with men. I was, you know? Yeah.
0: But I, well, not even that, because yeah. that it seems like he's like, he sleeps with nobody. Cause there's like the weird, there's like that weird moment when Max drops him off and they have like kind of a weird charged, like Max seems like kind of angry at him yeah. and then leaves. And that's when he's given them the note and he's like, leaves forever. And I'm like reading into it. And like some people were reading into that, that it was that Brian tried to have sex with max but like wasn't actually able to that he's not Mm -hmm. really able that physical in that way so i don't know it it felt just like well why because some people are reading into like okay well max seemed that he wanted to be able to like great i can sleep with both Both of these people but that brian there's like something got does is not working about that and like of what what is it that is Max's oh, that weird because charged moment between the them is line, very, very enigmatic.
1: The yeah that is peculiar. I I interpreted it watching it this time because it had been a minute since I'd seen the movie. This time I was watching it. I was like, oh, they finally slept together, and maybe Brian. I don't know, Brian said something or like took some kind of high ground. But then when they have the lines where he goes, Oh, screw Maximilian. She goes, I do. And then he, he laughs and goes, so do I makes it sound active and like more than once on both their
0: parts. It does. But in the the midst of an argument, I can understand. You're going to say, what's going to, yeah. Yeah, What's going to really cut. He sure is with that. Like you're about, like a femme fatale. You're about as fatal as an after dinner mint. Which might be the most so British good. thing I've ever heard in my life, and I love it. I want it that I want to use that as a line. You're about as fatal as an off to minute.
1: It's Ma- a very coward esque reading of the line too that he gave.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Noel coward, of course, not yes. to oh, say. coward not, not cowardly not a cowardly no. line reading Malcolm McDowell auditioned. This was the oh. year after Clockwork Orange, which wow. feels talking about Wow. <laughs> it feels hard to like put the money back in the box of like, oh yeah, this is a guy that. Like, I
1: thought of him during this movie because of her lower lashes. I oh. was thinking about, <laughs> I was like, oh, she's even like a little Malcolm I McDowell mean, g- with Jill Gray
0: also has the false eyelashes as well.
1: Yes, but they don't read the same because his well, eyes no. aren't the size of Alaska.
0: No. <laughs> no, of course not. But I just mean in terms of like, of your, your male characters having yes, that false true, eyelash Yes, it's true. But it's just on. so gotcha, Well, because yeah. it's
1: rare that you'll see a, a false bottom lash as well. Mm. But like her, you know, eyes are like,
0: Yeah they are sp- like Jack in yes. the box, sproying through the movie screen. If the movie was in 3d, it would just for- be for Liza's eyelashes. Poking at you. Liza's lashes. Liza's lashes. Uh, but yeah, Malcolm McDowell, it's hard for me to picture. He feels like he was just like, looked like, Oh, maybe he's a nice young man, but Clockwork Orange ruined that of, how i visualize him can't and put then the he money just grew back in the into a, a terrifying human being
1: i could see anthony perkins having more success doing this yeah. than, oh, than malcolm i McDow,
0: can absolutely see that because
1: at least like you understand that part of what has driven norman to do what he's doing is that brian repression. wouldn't hurt a fly <laughs> that brian wouldn't hurt a fly um but but it's different when it's like I love the ultraviolence. I'm, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. go kicking people till they die. Right. It's different yeah. than, and
0: you know, he's an actor. Actors are capable of he's multiple things. It is also that is typecasting. You know, is to be. It's a true. But To me, I mean, that is like Clockwork Orange. It just looms over every every time I see Malcolm McDowell. That is always in the back of my mind. Is like him and Clockwork Orange because that is such an iconic performance if for better and worse yeah. i feel like for his career you know yeah. um so it's hard for me to picture him in
1: this i can picture him in um fairy tale theater playing the wolf in little red riding hood pretty clearly well, maybe because once I've again seen a
0: predatory it. character That's exactly. what i'm saying yeah, he's here he's not playing the hunter he's not showing up to the rescue <laughs> no nope timothy dalton auditioned there's also someone that like, I could see. he's, to I me, he's like, see I'm that. seeing him more as a Maximilian. He's Maybe, just so, he's just a you, dashing gentleman that seems to Yes, Timothy but I him. think if
1: you look at like Lion and Winter, he's giving you a kind of more darker troubled kind of, like young Dalton yeah. is broodier, which I feel like works really well for like a writer or like Brian type.
0: Right, 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 I right. I can see it. I can see it. I get it. that. I think what I like, and not that Michael York is not good looking, but he just does have like more of like, you Timothy Dalton is sexy, you know?
1: Yeah, I think Michael York is beautiful, but he also, like, he's not... Yeah, he doesn't have the swagger. It says
0: swagger. I don't to say that Timothy Dalton can't, like... Sit, you know, sit, sit on that swagger. But it's uh, I feel like that's the that's the the, the hard part is for tip the Dalton trying to pretend that he doesn't have that that cartoon swagger, that cartoon mad swag, fox swagger, that mad swag. I do
1: think it's gotten more pronounced as he has aged.
0: Totally, of course. I mean, playing Bond will do that for you, yep. yeah.
1: even if you hate it. Even
0: if you hate it, Leonard. Whiting
1: audition. Oh, that's great. I was like, Leonard Bernstein? that not any sense at all. Leonard
0: Cohen audition. No. Uh <laughs> Leonard Whiting auditioned the, that's great. the Romeo of the zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet, yes. of course. Uh which I dig that. That I, works. I it that works casting. great for me. Bruce Robinson auditioned aka the Benvolio in the zeffirelli R and J. So clearly if you were in R and J you were getting considered for They're like, Now fine.
1: you're an actress see? You're an actor. You do Shakespeare, see. So we want you to be in our picture, see.
0: <laughs> and uh, they do Shakespeare. They're they're real actors. They get there, it, Bob. That's
1: my Bob Fosse impression. Right. Apparently,
0: it. Bruce Robinson also uh, a very acclaimed writer because he also wrote. He's got an Oscar nomination for writing the screenplay to The Killing Fields, and he also wrote the screenplay to With. I was no about and to say I. he wrote Withnail. Yeah. And I. Oh, well, I did not know this. Yeah. So I was like, oh, good. For One you. of my good favorite screenplays. It's great. Yeah. Uh, and Paul Nicholas auditioned. Who. Some might know best. Uh, He's Cousin Kevin in the Who's Tommy in the film. And so instead, in 1972, Mike Nicholas was in what became of Jack and Jill, which this plot description uh, is, is a horror film. In order to collect insurance money, a slacker tries to induce a heart attack in his invalid grandmother by convincing her that she's become the target of youth supremacists who want to enact a genocide on. On the elderly
1: well this is kind of logan's run in a less extreme way <laughs>
0: which michael it york
1: would go on to be very famous for in a few is, years time it
0: kind of is the a version of logan's run uh but that just sounded absolutely bananas to me uh of a film premise uh and, oh, that sound means it's time to play a quick round of two truths and some guy the way it works two of the following actors were up for the role of brian and one was not and amy chose to guess which is which your options are anthony hopkins jeremy irons and tim curry
1: i think hopkins could have been up for it if because he and dalton were both in line in winter together that seems like if they're looking at people who were in prestige films around the time Hopkins doesn't make as much sense to me in it, but like, I, I think given also his, his character in line in winter is, I, I believe implied to be gay. Like I, I can see how they would be like, Oh, he can play that. Oh, that's logic. I'm going to say Jeremy Irons is some guy.
0: I'm sorry. That is incorrect. Tim Curry. That is also incorrect. As far as I can tell, Anthony Hopkins was not considered. Wow. See, I think But that's he great is... justification. That I've was... forgotten that he was in that line in winter.
1: I would think he's, like, the least logical choice, but that's never stopped anybody in Hollywood before.
0: Right. Uh, Because Jeremy Irons only had one credit. I was about to
1: say, I didn't think he was, like, on the scene. No.
0: He had one episode in 1971 of The Rivals of Sherlock Holmes, only credited as nephew. So, I'm sure, you know, they're also, I'm sure, auditioning a lot of people that we've never heard of. Well, and they're also probably all in the theater, you know. And people that are in in the theater, of course. In the UK, you can film
1: stuff and... Yeah. and be in the west end because it's all central
0: that's you know? an excellent point yes 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 but jeremy irons was considered he auditioned and tim curry auditioned which is also very early for him he only had a few yes. tv credits because rocky horror wasn't until 1975 right um so i forget when the p- stage production of rocky horror was it would have
1: been probably p- like around this time probably it, around it, this it was time. like a cult hit
0: you but know? i just find it fascinating that so many of these actors i mean tim curry jeremy irons malcolm mcdowell like actors that to me i'd be like oh were they considered for the mc like they were considered for brian yeah for sweet sweet Lil lost in the lamb lost in the woods but that's brian. why
1: a post rocky horror picture show not necessarily rocky horror show but post rocky horror picture show post amadeus tim curry makes more sense as an MC oh, but probably like oh he's going to be Brian I
0: guess I'd be in- I'd be interested. I would love to see a screen test of those two. Oh don't Jeremy, you just wish- Jeremy Irons because I did recently watch the Cronenberg film Dead Ringers where he plays twins. So he's also then because he's playing twins one is like the real macho like mm-hmm. Jeremy Irons like I'm a wolf type and the other is like I'm a bit more of the shy repressed type. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, I, I could, I actually saw I within that. I was like, oh, I could see Brian. Um, but let's move on to S- Sally Bowles, darling. Amy Jo, what, what do you think about Liza Minnelli, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? So... I love
1: Liza Minnelli so much.
0: We love her so much. We finished Cabaret and then we put on Liza with a Z. I
1: didn't know Jeff hadn't seen I it. I hadn't
0: and my life, it's pre-Liza with a Z and post-Liza with a Z for me. Like, I didn't oh, really. Oh, the, the funk numbers. I wasn't prepared for the funk. Well, it was when
1: I turned to you and I was like, ooh, and this is what I got you from. You're like, what are you talking about? I was like, I gotcha. you." Uh-huh, uh-huh. Thought I didn't see you there. And you're like, oh, I thought that was just like yes, something you you will do you that said. just
0: like around the house. And I just thought it was a fun little thing that you did um and i I was like like, i kind of figured it was from something that i didn't see you there you'll you normally there's some kind of element of surprise of like where i'm just like oh i didn't realize that you were in this room or like oh i didn't realize that you'd already taken this thing like That I didn't Ag- didn't you? Uh and that is it uh-huh. from Liza with a Z, which I'm sure if you've seen it, you're like da-da-da-doy. But I did not know listener. i And now uneducated in so many different aspects, so many different things that just passed me by over the head, pop culture wise. But luckily we
1: resolved that. We sure have. And I'm so
0: glad that we
1: did. Yes, funk cowboys. Um anyway, I mean that's more. That was the same year. Like she's wearing the same costumes. Like she's wearing that. And then does like she does her all, whole, the whole fourth, set. The fourth all, yeah. chunk is all cabaret. Yeah, yeah.
0: only um, twenty five years old. Yeah, twenty five in this. we this during this the making of this film and, and lies with well, the well. When
1: you grow up on set, you know. Yeah, very um, true. Very true. Yeah, watching her maybe this time. You know, I was watching it going, and this is what you get when you cast someone who not just can really, really sing. Because I mean, obviously, that's what you get when you get Liza. But someone who is at their ease conveying, like acting through a song, you know, which is different than someone who is very good at singing and different than someone who is very good at acting, but doesn't know how to use song to forward what they're doing. Even in something like maybe this time, which is taking place in a club, she is still transporting us for seeing her story. You know, it's like, this is just what happens when you get someone who actually knows how to do this rather than like no offense to like nicole kidman but like nicole kidman doing like moulin rouge or the prom or something like that where it's like she's perfectly fine to good but that doesn't mean that she is fully able to use the material in a way to f- fully vivify the yeah, thing yeah
0: it's so it's so good and because it, it is like such a great sequence and i was watching it, i was like i feel like that this is the sequence that helped winner the oscar i mean the whole performance is perfect but it's like she's supposed to go meet her dad and, like, Brian comes back and she's just staring at a wall in the dark and, and like, Mm -hmm. kind of has a breakdown. It's really the first time that you see, like, the facade drop. Right. Because she's so much of it is, like, a performance. (laughs) Uh, is just like, oh, these dark green nails. Like, oh, it's so divinely decadent, darling. And it's just so fake. And it could be so irritating on so many other actors, but I I never find it with her because it's just Liza. But then when it drops and it's her just, like, weeping and then Brian comforting her and then they start kissing and then now we're sleeping together and then in this montage and then it goes to maybe this time she's like maybe this time it's going to happen and she's singing to an almost completely empty club and it's such a perfect run of scenes into this number mm. and it's so good but yeah as storytelling which is what the numbers do the numbers are there to like highlight correct you know you get the song two ladies when it's like well now it's a three this the three three-way yeah. relationship is starting to go off on this weekend retreat but yeah, yeah it's so so good maybe, maybe this time is like such an incredible performance it's so
1: so good and and when we were watching Liza with a Z gosh I get emotional whenever I think about Liza with a Z I love it so much <laughs> um when we were watching it you know I, I there were just a couple numbers she had already sung and I, I was talking to you about like I remember watching liza with a z like years ago with with my brother aaron and his then boyfriend now husband michael and um we were you know watching it through it just like you know one of the things that makes liza so thrilling to watch and, and not just thrilling but like why she just makes you feel so much is because she is all hope even when there's no reason to feel that way and it never feels completely delusional At least, particularly when she's singing, because it's like she's hooked up to something that's bigger than herself. Yeah, and it's just like, just well, it could, it could be good, you know. Um, and it's, I don't know, I, I respond to it very strongly. I am like, oh, same. The school of Liza Minnelli. Now, I will say that there is also an argument to be made for having an actor who's not a terribly good singer this part the original sally in berlin stories was not even that charismatic on stage she was kind of like lackluster and not very good she was like doing a fan dance and i think the character supposed to be like 19 or something like that you know and there is there is a world in which like that uh, so i think that's when you cast someone like natasha richardson who sings okay in in the broadway revival you know she won a tony for it but like you know, she says that yeah, okay, she's not a singer.
0: Christopher Isherwood famously hated that he thought Liza Minnelli was too talented for the role. Uh, well, it, you are like she, the antith- it's the antithesis of Judy Garland's daughter.
1: Sally is. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was. I, I thought you said it's the antithesis, and I was like, but she is Judy Garland's daughter. Exactly. Exactly. Sally. Sally Christopher Bowl Isherwood is be. saying
0: that like it's based upon yes Gene Ross this amateur singer who yeah. lived under the delusion that she had star quality. Yeah. So having someone that is an actual star. Yeah is it it, you can make the argument of that it's like not and i've seen it on stage in in that uh version on youtube with jane horrocks who is an incredible singer she's in the movie little voice and Mm -hmm. she's doing like vocal impersonations so she's a beautiful singer and on stage she's purposefully not singing her best and is like sounding more like strident and like her her Mm -hmm. performance of cabaret at the end is like almost terrifying to watch because it does feel like someone completely like breaking down uh and, but yeah, Liza is so good of a performer. You're like, but how like, does
1: she not get plucked up out of this club, you know? Well, but you she's have
0: also to- performing in a club in Germany and it's also like the booze and the No, sex. I was about
1: to say you do have to, uh, imagine that it's just like she's too much of a mess and too, in her own way which it's like i you know yeah. i've seen i've seen plenty of people who are very talented there's also just like i've seen plenty of people who are very talented who just don't ever make it yeah. you know
0: yeah um and that that happens but yeah so i'm not bothered by that i i think that honestly it's on stage i'd be more down for someone who's an air eh singer but mm-hmm. on film i kind of do want I want that performance. I want that. For sure. I want the Liza. I want
1: Liza. Well, I have some thoughts. I don't have a ton because also it's just like a really indelible performance, obviously. Right. But um, yeah, a more contemporary, obviously not. not this is, more, again, more like late 90s, early 2000s, but like, give me Tony Collette. Ooh, yep. Because talk it, about it, it, someone it, who it, can it, sing it, it, but also can just like mm. act it to where your heart just breaks thinking about yeah. it. Like, I want to see Tony Collette's Liza. Um, Sarah Ramirez, who's the original Lady in the Lake and lot, and then went on to be in like a zillion seasons of Grey's Anatomy.
0: Um, I, I hear they're filming the zillion and one season right now. The zillion and the one? zillion and one.
1: Um, but yeah, like,
0: I, I mean. Yeah.
1: They're so funny. And so like vivid
0: yeah that'd be voice great.
1: is incredible um a more 70s choice um is melba moore who is less known i mean she's done a ton of film and tv but but she um I think she won a tony for pearly she's certainly on the tony awards singing i got love in oh. from pearly and in an iconic performance look it up oh if you I, haven't I, guess I
0: have to so i well I'm i will play it for this.
1: you after it but Lovely. she's also in the original company of hair and so she's in the oh. movie of hair Oh, she cool, cool, has cool. a voice that does not stop <laughs> and um i'm like yeah i'd love to see her liza i mean i doubt they were going to you'd cast, love to see her liza loved oh my gosh <laughs>
0: As Liza, as, as Sally Bowles. Bowles.
1: Oh gosh, you know that's it's how iconic it Liza's is. So iconic. that's how it is. You cannot separate
0: the role from the performance. I would people. love to
1: see Melba Moore's Sally Bowles. <laughs> um, although I doubt that in '72 they were like, let's cast a black woman to play Sally Bowles. Like, right? I don't think the yes. people were Al- really. Yes. Although I that. do
0: think that it, you, you know, you get like an absolute firecracker of a performer but you're also reading into like well that's also an aspect of why they're not oh no i think plucked it's from in you know in the 1930s I if you get if you get a, you get a, a non-white performer as sally i i, I don't great. have
1: anything i'm not right. saying that i'm saying i oh, think I in 1972 they're like that's right. not on their radar as a thing I,
0: to kn- do. I know it's not but i'm just saying like if
1: yeah if i could see if I and if they were, I think great. that you could
0: justify it very easily in a world where it's so easy for people to be like, but there wasn't in 1931. It's like, yeah, but what if there was? And one not yeah. you, shut up. Yeah. Um, you so shouldn't just you right. shut your trap. What, 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 consider this. Consider shutting up and just <laughs> casting a non-white performer.
1: <laughs> and then if this had been filmed a few years before, because I think she was a little, she's about 10 years older than Liza, but like Rita Moreno. Ooh, yep. You yeah. know, another yeah. uh, someone love, else who you're also going to get the full dance package, because that's another thing you get with Liza is someone who can dance her face off, you know, yeah. like that. Mine hair. One of the reasons mine hair works so well is because in every shot, her lines are perfect. Her her full largesse of her physical expression through in Fosse's choreography
0: outfit, which is why incredible. like that's, that's the outfit on the cover. You know, that's yeah. the costume. Uh, and you so would good. you would
1: get that as well, obviously, with me, Rita, Rita Moreno, Anita oh, yeah. in the West Side Story movie and of, many, of many course, day yes. and other things. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you get the full dance package as well as someone who can really sing and, and a tremendous actor.
0: I love that. Um, I only had two thoughts. And one was if it was made more recently. I know I recommend it for so many things, but just give me that Cynthia Revo. It's like that's what mm. I want and i think acting wise i would be really curious to see her take on sally
1: i honestly i see her more as an mc but that's also more just i seeing also her love that doing some more of can't, a, she, stuff can't she more do, can't she do both well, I mean that's what I'm trying to do at the same time <laughs> I've, I've legit gone into an audition where I did the MC sides and then the Sally sides. of course you did didn't book either but I had a great time
0: didn't. I bet um but I feel like if anyone could be cast to do both roles simultaneously I think it could be Cynthia Eriva hey she's got uh, the range and same age as Liza I just think it's so out there I kind of want it as Sally Bowles share
1: I did see she was the same age as Liza and I thought <laughs>
0: What would that be like? What would that be like? I think it would still work. It'd be so, so different. I mean, It'd be so different, but I think it would work.
1: She also like, I, I was looking at some of her stuff on the Carol Burnett show, like back in the day. It's like, she definitely was a lot for share. Yes. Yeah. She was a lot goofier back, back in the day, you know? So I, I think like, actually some of that might've translated well to Sally.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh. So, Manelli had auditioned to play Sally in the original Broadway production, but was deemed too inexperienced at the time, uh, although I looked up, she had won the Tony Award for, for Flora the Red at, Menace. yes, for the Red Menace at
1: nineteen, yeah, well, as some have said, that was not that she wasn't wonderful, but oh. that was a Tony for Mama, you know, oh. um, and not to do deme- because she's tremendous, yeah, but it was also like, let's just
0: right this, gotcha you know. so by the time cabaret was nearing for the screen though minnelli was already a film star having gotten an oscar nomination uh for this film the sterile cuckoo in 1969 playing this kind of um kooky college student who's like it's a kind of like a rom- somewhat of like a romantic dramedy mm-hmm. uh and so she was already nominated for an oscar so it felt like I've oh yeah seen a you clip are from
1: that now that i'm thinking of it some clip of her on the phone hmm
0: Yes, that seems to be like some big scene of her on the phone, which is like that's it seems like the real that's the Oscar clip. So uh, as far as the other actors who were up for the Oscar that year, there was Diana Ross for The Lady Sings the Blues, Mm -hmm. Cecily Tyson for Sounder, Maggie Smith for Travels with My Aunt, and Liv Ullman for The Emigrants, uh, which I have not seen any of those films. So I We've, don't. I mean, have anything to base really off
1: after our our Godfather discussion? I'm just like, I've got to see Sounder. I've got so. to see Sounder.
0: I right know. Between Cecily Tyson, and Paul Winfield. Mm-hmm. Is like, oh, I I really want to see this, and I really also want to see the Lady Sings the Blues because I I keep I keep popping up. To, like, oh yeah, Lady Sings the Blues. That looks like a thing that would be really good to see um nothing against travels with my aunt and the emigrants but not as much on the top of my list this is so much this just listen to this too many there's too many films and tv that to catch up on let alone all the new stuff that keeps coming out and podcasts and the podcast i don't have time i I simply don't have the time so please i'm not watching godzilla versus kong for the last time i'm not gonna don't make up do it uh so of the actors who were up for sally besides Right off the bat, Julie Andrews was considered.
1: Uh, you know what? Having watched Mary Poppins in more recent history, I get it a little bit more than if I hadn't rewatched that specific performance, because they're also remembering Sally is supposed to be English. Right. So if you're thinking along those lines. Yeah. But it's just not her vocal type in the slightest.
0: No, no. It's interesting, but I just feel like it's just not a great fit.
1: I used to have a yeah. girlfriend, <laughs> not as Elsie.
0: I don't do a very good,
1: uh, in fact, a good impression at all. But, you know, it's high is what I'm saying. She's a soprano.
0: A spoonful of vodka makes the medicine go down? <laughs> or is it a spoonful of Worcester makes the medicine go down? These, well, like, this worst, these well, whooshed all Worcester together. eggs and you should whoosh them all together. Yeah, you got the toothpaste, guys. Um, <laughs> Ursula Andrus of Dr. Uh-huh. No and Clash of the Titans mm-hmm. fame was considered. Uh, anne Margaret. Was that makes
1: more sense,
0: which I dig. Yeah. I could see that. Uh speaking of the who's, Tommy, uh, Shirley McLean was She was considered. on my
1: list, yeah. Mm,
0: which I like. I mean, of course she was
1: in Sweet Charity.
0: she was she was Charity in the Bob Fosse Sweet Charity uh from a few years prior. So in 1972, she was in a t- she had a short-lived TV show called Shirley's World where she played a globe-trotting magazine writer photographer which was apparently like so bad behind the scenes that it got to the point like that she wasn't allowed to see the scripts until like right before they filmed because she would be trying to change everything because she hated everything about it well
1: that's fair if her name is literally in the title
0: very true so that got canceled real quick uh so she had that and this movie the possession of joel delaney as a woman who begins to suspect that her brother is possessed by a voodoo spirit so cabaret would have been a better better option better option than Shirley's world in the position of Joel Delaney uh but Shirley McLean was doing just fine and she's still still crushing to this day um I love that Shirley McLean. Barbara Streisand turned it down
1: I thought about Babs and I thought it makes some sense and yet I was like I feel like uh she I'm, I'm glad we got Liza rather than Barbara
0: I agree what I like about liza specifically in this is that she had a few films she had some film I forget like Charlie Buttons, I think with Albert Finney it was kind of like her first like big big thing mm-hmm. um where he's like she's the sec this his secretary who he's having an affair with and like that's the film um and then the sterile cuckoo, but like not a ton of film credits before this film so she still feels like a breakout role and like, Barbara already had an Oscar and Barbara already point. had an Oscar she'd had yeah, she had funny Girl she had Hello Dolly, I think as well before before this if if I'm Not mistaken. I don't remember exactly when. I'm pretty sure, if memory serves. Uh, And then in 1972, she had What's Up Doc, which is also my grandmother would be so sad if
1: she didn't have What's Up Doc to love.
0: But yeah, I feel like she's just too big of a star. At this point, it's like I, I like that you have someone who is, of course, a star, but it still feels like you're getting them right at the right moment. Yeah, right at yeah. that cusp. On
1: the ascendant. On the
0: ascension. Uh, Faye Dunaway was considered.
1: Huh. huh. Is Imagine also how I feel about Faye that. Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty in Cabaret. <laughs> I mean, they're both very good actors to space. It's see?
0: true. I don't know. I really don't. I'm going to assume it's also part of like, well, you know, oh, maybe can, they don't need Marnie to.
1: Marnie Nixon, get Marnie in there, yeah, dub her. get her
0: in there. What was she busy doing? Dubbing
1: someone else. And they, there you
0: go, Audrey Hepburn <laughs> Sally Bowles. Oh,
1: dear. I will say that is also, that. that's what I meant, too, about when you get someone who really, truly does this. It's not just like someone who sings okay but doesn't know how to run the material through the acting but it's this is someone who knows how to use their entire instrument and gets to use the entire instrument and that you know there are some beautiful performances that have been dubbed i don't mind the dubbing but it's this is like when it's also so much a part of what the character is doing in a quite literal sense this character is singing and dancing it's not a metaphor you know, like it is in West Side Story, you know, where, okay, so she's being dubbed, but it's like, she she's singing but in real life she's not singing but like Liza Minnelli as Sally Bowles is singing in a club in front of people who are paying and sitting and watching in an audience like it just makes sense to have someone who does that
0: absolutely and for this movie specifically it's like well great like if they can't sing then just have them not be able to sing and just sell it with the dancing and like and it works it works fine for this it works great that they got Liza but really of any of these if like if she if Faye Dunaway couldn't sing I'm kind of interested in that. Mm-hmm. Not really interested in Faye Dunaway as Sally, but I'm interested in a performer who's not really a yeah. singer. Speaking of, Natalie Wood was considerate as far as West Side Story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I think-
1: I, look, I like hers, Natalie Maria Wood, but I don't- one thing. Well, and she's did a lot of other things, but well, I, I, know, I, I, I know. don't know. I just like, when I think of, it is also, this is me being partial to stage performers. It's, it's why I really like Kevin Kline someone who is not afraid of largesse is necessary for musical theater, even on screen. And, and like, she's very nuanced and subtle in what she does, but she brings this totality to it that feels like comes from having performed on stage in front of, you know, for Liza, for Liza. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a tip, head to toe, like kind of performance. And, and, uh, I think it really is one of the reasons it's so indelible.
0: Oh, 100% agree. Uh, Jill Ireland was apparently offered the role, but her husband, Charles Bronson, rejected the offer. Looking up her film credits, she was in so many movies with Charles Bronson, including in 1972. She had this movie, The Mechanic, which was Bronson as a hitman, where she played a sex worker credited simply as the girl and the velacci papers where bronson is a gangster forced to work with the da in exchange for protection which the source novelist who the person who wrote the book of the velacci papers said was one of the worst films ever made oh no yeah so that really sucks that jill ireland was offered this role and was like nope too bad i gotta go make garbage movies with my husband forever until my death terrible yeah that really stinks really it's so i lost count of how many films that she made with him which is on the one hand it's like maybe that was a great, great working situation to go make movies with your husband charles but it's also Bronson.
1: like when he's the name and you get the opportunity to do something where like you could be the name you know
0: yeah it's like you couldn't lose her for these two films my guy no <laughs>
1: Wow. That's my Bronson impression. It was incredible. I thought Bronson
0: was in the room myself. I thought so too. I got real scared. Oh dear. Uh Glenda Jackson was considered. Glenn. Which I'm intrigued by I, I am Once too. again don't know singing wise But from an acting standpoint I mean
1: I she's like tremendous Especially we're talking 70s Glenda sure Jackson is. Come I, on
0: She's also one I was thinking of Because now that she's like back to acting We've seen her twice on the stage With uh, Three Tall Women and King Lear mm-hmm. uh, That I want There's so many of like That I've just not seen of her earlier work That she's yeah. one that I want to like check out Like a touch of class And speaking of you know George Siegel, Who just recently passed away mm. uh, And like some of her earlier films that I like would love to see I watched see. that
1: um that like one where she played Queen Elizabeth in my youth. Um there's some like made for TV mini series as the Brits are wont to do, like a masterpiece theater style oh, thing where oh. she plays um Queen Elizabeth the First. Mm. And uh I rewatch it.
0: Shewa. Sure, Shewa. Sure. Uh, Julie Christie was considered to Julie star opposite Christie. her then boyfriend, Warren Beatty. So that's what that would have been. Ah. It would have been Warren Beatty as Brian with Julie Christie as Sally. So
1: that's interesting. Now, now, hear me out on this. Julie Christie and reunite her with Omar Sharif, baby. Ooh. Dr. Shivago Costa. Okay. Okay. They're great together. I'm digging that. It's a very famous love story.
0: <laughs> hey. Hey. Hey now. Oh. Mm -hmm. you know what I say to that Amy you know what I say to that casting Mm -hmm. Uh, and Anita Gillette who was the original standby for Sally on Broadway and then replacement lobbied hard for the role uh, who she's also, she's in Moonstruck as this character, the character Mona. Uh, and she was Tina Fey's mom on 30 Rock when I was just like, why does this actor look vaguely familiar to me when looking at her IMDb? Uh, and also back in 1970, she was in a the TV movie of the musical George M. with Joel Grey uh. as George. Uh, and in 1972, instead of being in Cabaret, she was co-starring in the series Me and the Chimp about a dentist whose life is turned upside down by a chimpanzee named buttons that was canceled after 13 episodes you think yeah that stinks that that's stinks that feels like some
1: Gillette. 1950s shenanigans that's not the kind of thing they're like in the 70s you think by the
0: 70s we'd learn to class it up no more monkey shows
1: i don't know about that but i mean <sighs> hadn't we already seen like that didn't disney do like all sorts of Oh, wacky monkey
0: movies. I'm sure Disney accidentally murdered so many monkeys oh. over the years for these shows and movies. Of course, they, I'm sure there's so many. I'm sure there's one where, I'm sh- I, you know, I'm, I bet there's monkeys galore in those uh airbud sequels i'm pretty sure sh- i'm pretty sure if memory serves that there's because uh, i just out of curiosity oh, i don't no. know why i was looking through <laughs> don't know why i got into a wormhole of the sequels to airbud were we
1: talking about it on the pod
0: maybe we were but who, there was uh, airbud seventh inning fetch airbud world pup uh i mean really it's like the subtitle comes first or like seventh inning fetch uh great he's playing baseball in this one <laughs> <laughs> But there's one where I think maybe it's a monkey or it's a raccoon. I, actually, it might be a, a raccoon and a goat. I don't know. I'm, I started to lose my mind looking at <laughs> looking at all these Air Bud sequels. And then these Air Buddies where it's like all these puppies. And now they're talking and it's like these Air Buddies go to space. And I couldn't believe that we went from a, a simple tale of a dog that could somewhat play basketball <laughs> to a bunch of talking golden retriever puppies in space on an adventure. So those were all the characters that I found other casting options for, but there are a few characters I didn't mention. So I want to briefly touch on them. We had Helmet Graham as Maximilian. Uh, so good. I love I him. Don't, I couldn't believe how bleached this mustache was. I'm like, I wondered if it was like, is this this guy's actual mustache or do they have to bleach this? Cause I've never seen a blonde to have a blonde mustache read. That's why I think it might be
1: his real hair color i know some danes who that is how their hair grows oh, in and yeah. so when they grow in facial hair that's it actually who he actually... looks like he looks
0: like kenneth Branagh in hamlet when kenneth Branagh yes! had that terrible terrible bleached blonde dye but job. like
1: it's that's it grows if you can grow in facial hair and it's naturally that light i, f- I have a feeling it is just his natural hair which is why it actually reads because it's like just that it's just that light. It's just that light.
0: uh And Fritz Wepper as Fritz wendell who he had like he's been on these, these like long running German like crime procedural shows mm. for like decades. That that's what he good does him. is like the second in command, uh which is great. I'm like good for you. Good yeah, for you. Make that money. And Marisa Berenson as Natalie, who so Liza and Joel Gray won the Oscar and the Golden Globe, and berenson was also nominated for the golden globe so she didn't really? get the Oscar nomination but she got a golden globe nomination for this performance huh. which was surprising because yeah. she's great but it's also it's just a smaller role yeah and it's not really a flashy role no. she's got like a few moments like she you get like kind of the awkward comedy because when she comes in she's so classy and looks dressed to the nines and lies like oh i'm staying for this english lesson so i can just be i've got my big and i'm gonna bring up like syphilis and booze and make a make a scene the Um,
1: one that would be the one german word you pronounce (laughs) perfectly
0: you know fornication (laughs) uh and then later she's getting like her dog killed she's getting like you know she's having her foundations shaken a bit she's having her foundations shaken a bit but yeah and she's also in barry linden uh the kubrick film and more recently she was in the film i am love from uh with tilda swinton and uh was in a, the in on stage she played lady capulet in a production of Romeo and juliet that branna directed with derek Jacobi as mercutio and Lily James and Richard Madden is are in very yeah. recent, just few I years ago. I remember talking about that production. I believe like t- uh, taped it. I believe you can like get a copy of the DVD. No. So I was like, "Love, like oh, good for you, playing Lady Cap." Um, and we also oh my <laughs> was, goodness, last night I realized that. Marisa Berenson had hosted an episode of The Muppet Show. So, so we did a little double feature and watched both her episode and the Liza We had already watched Joel
1: Gray's like a couple weeks ago. And we had already ago. watched Joel Gray. And I have seen that Copacabana number that Liza does. I'd seen that like on YouTube years and years but ago. But we didn't yeah. know that
0: her, Liza's episode is a full blown murder mystery. What a treat. What a treat. So dream. silly, so funny. And yes, this full Copacabana number. But then Marisa Berenson. Her, her episode's a delight She doesn't have a ton to do But she does get this one standout Bizarre Oh my gosh Bizarre Like vo- old hill no, number No it's a no.
1: It's a song off Shel Silverstein's 1962 oh, album That's what it is Called You're Always Welcome At Our House And she's dressed like <laughs> Not quite in a dirndl, Like not quite German Like folk wear But like Like a little Like German girl And she's got her braids And her like knee high socks and we find she's just been... singing
0: about right. She's singing about like oh, like this person like came to like visit or like came to whatever like sell us something. So we hit him on the head with a hammer and hit we put him, him in with this
1: the hammer cu- <laughs> And hit him in the wall, but and you're always, always welcome at our house. house. And I <laughs> could not
0: believe what I was saying. Just all these people that are getting like tortured and then kept in the refrigerator, kept under the boards. Like this little kid in a beanie propeller hat, tied up. A puppet, of course, kept under the floorboards. It, like, pops up each time in the chorus, more puppets popping up to sing but you're always welcome, welcome at our, our house. house as she's like oh she is like a murderer and the end is like she smiles and now her teeth are fangs it was amazing i couldn't believe that this was on the muppets and i it was magnificent was i highly recommend looking up at least this clip of marisa berenson it's on, on the youtube
1: Show. if you don't have was on disney plus
0: yeah yeah uh, just yeah so marisa funny. berenson
1: you're always welcome at our house I, I had to watch it again immediately <laughs>
0: it was fantastic uh so amy joe final thoughts anyone we anything we haven't touched on any moments in the movie uh any performances
1: oh yeah i just wanted to throw in this is uh, for those of you who are listening to an episode on cabaret i'm going to assume at least some of you are theater people i'm just throwing in if they were to do a revival right now i don't have a great mc in mind just bring alan coming back but i i'm like i want to see even though she's definitely too old for it I do not care I want to see Carmen Cusack as Sally Bowles and Paul Alexander Nolan as Mm. Cliff although it is a tragedy not to let him sing but that's okay yes one of the best
0: live singers I've I've seen ever heard I saw him once as a replacement for guy he also played Jesus and Jesus Christ Superstar and both of them were in Bright Star I
1: saw him in Dr. Zhivago and then in Mm. Slave Play. And he and Carmen Cusack were both opposite one another in Bright Star. And it was just like some of the best acting I've ever seen on a stage. And it's just like, that's that's what I want, which is something that is at the level of like what these actors yeah. are bringing in this movie. So not that that's here nor there. Nobody asked for it. But you know what? Yeah. I'm a co-host of this <laughs> podcast. And I'm saying it.
0: you sure are. Uh, I don't have any trivia to end with. So I kind of just want to ask, like for, for both of us, if you have to pick, what's your favorite? musical number in the film version of cabaret mine hair mine hair yeah i it's yeah because we've got you got Wilkommen, you got your opening you've got mine hair which is liza's first big number maybe this time Mm -hmm. money money which is your one liza and joel gray number two ladies and tomorrow belong oh two ladies and if you could see her are like joel gray's like big like back half solos tomorrow belongs whoever picks tomorrow belongs to me as their favorite perform, song and performance at cabaret D- cut ties with this the person the problem with that um,
1: is they very cleverly written it to be a song that's got lots of great open vowels very like ready for the singing you're like it's very satisfying to sing and they're like oh no oh no uh,
0: and you have which we haven't really talked about Liza's incredible performance of the song cabaret of this like final yeah. final number uh it's hard but mine hair even, even though it doesn't have like that like finality of cabaret or uh, for me it's a toss-up between maybe this time and mine hair so mm-hmm. i'm gonna say maybe this time is my, is my fave
1: in the context of the musical my favorite song
0: was cut from the film which is your favorite
1: uh so what which is a frowling schneider song frowling schneider has two great songs and then a couple of really great duets and they've kept the duets yeah as the music she's playing on the victrola the whole time they're playing married and and the 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 pineapple a pineapple for um it couldn't please it me couldn't, more oh, right. um that's what they're playing like whenever da, 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 and she's doing her little like seductive dancing divine decadence those are those are the Schultz and schneider songs it's not just cuz i played schneider i think so what is such an incredible character storytelling song and it's like it was written on lotte lenya who mm. was like uh you know kurt Weil's wife and a very famous german singer and actor and it just like sings like a dream and is so satisfying it's like such a and you're usually getting a really fine actor playing that part, um, so I missed that. But yeah, yeah, as far as like my favorite song from the show, it's probably "So What" or, uh, you know, potentially "Vilkommen," depending on the staging.
0: Totally, but absolutely. For the, but movie, as far as the movie, Mine Hair." Yeah, oh. I mean, it's tr- it is when they start when all the ensemble. I was like on over their chairs and just start slapping the crap out of the stage. Yeah, uh it is thrilling. You
1: know what it is? It's also that every frame of that number. If you just showed me a frame in isolation, I would know it was from mine hair. You know, like I would know it was from the as opposed to some of the others. It might be like, oh, I know it's this because of what she's wearing. As opposed to like, no, this is from mine hair because they're doing the chairs and the way that yeah. their eyes. Every every shot is like so exciting to
0: watch. One hundred percent. Amy Jo? Why, yes, Jeffrey. What are you recommending this week?
1: Well, my dear friend Denis Lambert uh, has his own podcast called The Voracious Student, and it is uh, geared primarily towards artists, but there's like, he has people on that are yoga teachers and like philosophy and Alexander and all sorts of different things. It's just basically about like, yeah, being a, a student of the arts, a student of life, and he'll have different guests on to talk about a very specific area of their work. So he had me on recently to talk about, of all things, cabaret. Cabaret. Not the movie, (laughs) the The uh, art form. form. Um, So if you think I get very overly excited and nerdy on this podcast, I dare you to go listen to my episode that just dropped recently. By the time (laughs) this comes out, it's like two weeks ago, on Denise's (laughs) podcast because I am bananas i just i was like wow you really are talking a lot about charles bush you have a lot of feelings about oh, bridget charles everett bush, sure. you know so um but yeah i mean if if, if you're listening to this episode charles you, bush is the MC. i mean not no you Know a drag production of Cabaret, and we have Jinx Monsoon as Sally Bowles. Love, I'm into it Love. anyway. All that is to say, um, you can find it out, uh, and wherever you find your pods, wherever you're listening to this. The voracious student, his name is Denis Lambert, but it's spelled like Dennis with one S because he's French Canadian. And Lambert, whenever we go see a show together, you know, he'll be like, uh, two tickets for Dennis Lambert. And it's just very funny because he's this like very elegant dancer, yeah, it's, again, French Canadian. Just
0: imagining him being like how's it going the name's dennis lambert yeah and it is so the antithesis of what i think of when i think of exactly name. and if you listen to his podcast you
1: will agree in <laughs> short order but yeah so i just thought that was fun um yeah me, uh, if you want to hear me talk about something other than
0: l- all ben of these this. movies Yeah. Yes. jeff amy joe what you recommending Well, not that it's really underseen, but I didn't see it when it first aired. So if you are the type of person that is choosing to listen to an episode on Cabaret uh, and haven't somehow already seen it, I'd recommend checking out the miniseries fosse Verdon, especially mainly for the twofer of Michelle Williams and Sam Rockwell as Verdon and Fosse, giving incredible performances, especially Michelle Williams. Um, But they really kind of bip and bop all the way through the relationship and over the course of working on the movie of cabaret and the stage production of chicago and all all throughout their careers Uh, so you get little bits of behind the scenes of cabaret which is a lot of fun but uh some incredible incredible acting and dancing and casting uh and i I was very very pleasantly surprised because i was like when it came out i was like i don't need to see this and then i was like oh it's on hulu i'll watch this and watch it all in like two days so I'd recommend checking out Fosse Verdon if you haven't already done so. And that's what we're recommending this week. Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at andalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know.
1: Gosh, do you want to know what movie we're going to talk about next week? I do, I do. Oh, well, then what you need to do is go right on over to Instagram or Facebook and find us at andalmoststarring and we will reveal (laughs) it to (laughs) you.
0: And it, it'll be as terrifying as Amy Joe. You just better made believe it, sound. it. Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Joe Jackson. And oh gosh, thanks for joining us to see who almost starred.